1: It's Charlotte week, heading up I-85 this weekend to face Charlotte FC, Bank of America Stadium. We got a game to talk about from last week. If there's anything left to really discuss about Toronto, anything else that's on your mind, we'll get into it today on Stoppage Time. What's up, Mike?
2: What's up, man? What are we calling this, Darby? I don't have a name yet. I I saw this pop back up this week. I thought Crown & Coke. Uh like the crown and coat <laughs> derby was was gonna work. Uh, apparently I do like apparently uh Royal Rumble didn't quite stick. No. We we gotta find this out because the I-85 Derby or the battle of I-85 to me gives too much credit to the state of South Carolina, which is a lovely state, but the state of South Carolina does not offer a team in the Derby. And no you know, the stretch of I-85 in South Carolina. I don't know.
1: I don't Um, like that stretch of I-85 at all. It's always
2: under construction. It's always under construction. Since I moved to Atlanta in 2008, something in that stretch of I-85 has always been under construction. And you know what else I don't like about that stretch of I-85? I do not like the... um, I don't like the fact that there is a chain of restaurants that basically portrays itself to be a Waffle House, but is not Waffle Oh, King. those are the worst. You can't do that. No. You can't do that. It's disrespectful to Waffle House. So, and like I, I see on the Twitch pitch, a lot of people want to name the Derby after Anton Walks, and I think that's a really, really sweet thought. I agree. Um, however, it, it, how do I put this? I, I feel like I don't want to do anything in naming the Derby that could one day right. be disrespectful to Anton right. walks memory. Like I, I feel like there needs to be some humor, some, some kind of levity injected into the name of the Derby. It, like I, I'm with ATL pilgrim. I loved crown and Coke. I love the it's crown. Pretty
1: and good. Coke. Part. It's pretty good. Uh,
2: I'm sure. I... And, and by the way, for everyone else on the Twitch pitch, I'm sure there's going to be numerous tributes to Anton walks this weekend. And when the return fixture is played here in Atlanta. Um, But, you know, look, and I I have to disagree with B. Dale. This is a rivalry. Yeah. Okay. These were two very well-played matches that had a feel to it last
1: year. It's a rivalry. If there's anything that I can beg in the soccer conversation world, it's to stop running from the word rivalry. Like we can't call anything a rivalry unless it's been around for 50 years. (laughs) <laughs> Look, MLS hasn't been around that long. Atlanta United is in year seven. Charlotte is very young. Rivalry can mean a lot of things. It, to me, simply, it means when the game has a little edge to it, has a little extra animosity to it. Um, Atlanta has rivalries with Orlando. It has a rivalry with Toronto. It has a rivalry with the Red Bulls. Nashville, I think, is is borderline. That's getting more edge to it. Miami's getting more edge to it. NYC's got some edge to it. Philly right now is a rivalry. That's okay. And some teams are going to have a lot of rivals. Again, I, I'm a Georgia football fan. It feels like every other game is a rivalry. You know, like that, we can stop worrying about calling something a rivalry and and meaning that's a bad thing. Let's just stop worrying about things in general when it comes to this game that is so much fun that's instead right. of doing that. You know what right. I mean? um there is a really good thing and if you guys haven't seen it i got mine uh this week um scarf that was done by atlanta united supporters and charlotte supporters and all the funds are going to support anton's family so uh i don't know if they've sold out i don't know if they'll have some on site but but check both groups of supporters for more information what i would love to see i'm with you i don't think naming the rivalry um, after Anton or honoring him in the name of the rivalry is the way to go. I would like to see something regular done to honor him between the supporters groups every time the teams play, whether it's a fundraiser for a good cause, you know, whatever that ends up being. I'd love to see that be something that is part of, of this matchup going forward.
2: Yeah and and maybe a silent 5th minute or th- yeah. some kind of tribute during the match. Yeah. Um be, because we're talking about two very very different emotional feels. We're talking about something that's solemn and worthy of um serious respect in any tribute that would be done for Anton and then I think you know we're talking about something a little more Tongue in cheek and playful with the name of the rivalry or Darby or whatever
1: we want to call it. I can't say Other, yeah, I feel I feel silly when I say Darby. I don't, I don't have do the too. accent to pull that off.
2: I, I do too, but you know. <laughs> gatekeepers uh do you want to start (laughs) briefly with last week just to kind of clear our heads on that before we we look ahead to this week
1: yeah i don't i don't know if there's really anything that hasn't been touched on um if you guys have questions uh, that can kind of lead us down that road too and and uh, i want to try to save some time for that but you know you fall behind first again they've the response is good um they've been good defensively in two games and I, i think they've given up two goals that kind of feel out of place in the overall 180 minutes uh, of defensive soccer. The teams played, I thought they defended really well all over the field against Toronto. Uh, Mateus Hosetsu had a really good night at the office uh, on both sides of the ball. Franco Ibarra was great once again, but conceding first is something that you're always going to be, you know, running uphill when that happens and they got it back immediately. Um, they had plenty of opportunities down the stretch, and, and we went into all of them on Atlanta soccer tonight. The offside decision, which we'll talk about for a second, uh, the the save on the Andrew Gootman opportunity in the 81st, the save on Porata's header in the 85th. Sean Johnson was ridiculous down the stretch in this game. He made a big play on a cross that Gootman's on the back post wide open. It, it's a good performance. It's a very good performance. There's one defensive mistake in it that you get punished on. I thought they got overextended on the press. There's a couple other defensive mistakes, which is typical. You're not going to be 100% perfect defensively in a game, especially against a, a team with the attacking talent that Toronto has. But, you know, they they had a ton of chances, a lot of different chances. Maybe put in a few too many crosses towards the end. You got to see I think glimpses of what This attack can be with Etienne, with Yacomakis on the field together with Almada, with Adarujo. They've got to build chemistry. I like where this team is after 180 minutes. I I just, you got to score first. And that's going to be the biggest thing going forward. The offside decision, I mean, I feel like we've run it into the ground a little bit. I think anybody who is trying to peddle a narrative that it's a horrendous call is just wrong. It's a very difficult call. It is as close as it gets. I still don't 100% know because the angle is from the side, the, the camera angle. I think he's on. I I felt like he was on watching it back the first time, watching it in more detail. I think he's on, but it's incredibly difficult. And the AR has to make the call there. Um, one thing to clarify, I, I've seen some, some commentary around uh, the AR putting the flag up at the end of the play. That was something that was talked about immediately. That's protocol. That's what they're supposed to do. The play was over. Mm -hmm. The ball was in the back of the net. The the ball is dead. You put the flag up. Then I think some people have said, you know, they wish they that the AR kept the flag down. In a general concept of saying, I wish that wasn't called offside. That's it's terminology does factor in here. Um, One other thing that I think I've seen about it in terms of the AR being out of position. I don't think that's right. You go back and you watch it. One, it, it's it, it's really difficult because Almada cuts, fakes across, cuts back. Everybody's moving. I think when the cross is hit from Almada, because remember, he goes to the left. He's going to put it in with the left foot. He chops it back to his right foot, then hits the cross. The AR is shifting because the AR is trying to shift with the last defender. I think the AR got into the position when Almada puts that cross in, as close as, as humanly possible. And I'm not 100% sure if the AR could see Rosted's back foot. That's the, the part that we're just not sure. And when you don't have the next level of technology that a lot of people don't like, flat out, a lot of people don't like it in the Premier League, if you don't have that where you are – you know mapping lines across because of of the 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 way you've you've set your whole system up with cameras and and mapping every stadium out across the across. league and all of that if you don't have that you're down to guessing on cameras mm-hmm. and when the, the the line is not straight down you're having to take guesses and I don't think there was enough to overturn the call on the field no matter what the call on the field was
2: uh, agree with all that, starting with your assessment that he looked on to me. Uh, and yeah, every I, thought time he, I, see... I thought he was.
1: It's so close, though. Yeah,
2: but every time I see that one angle, and that's the unfortunate thing, it's really the one angle we've been presented with. Every time I see it, he looks on. Uh, but everything the AR did was correct. I was trying to explain it to to John and, and John Chucker yesterday here on 92.9. The AR did not raise her flag and stop the play no, no. prior to the yakamaka's goal. I think that's been misunderstood or misreported. Yeah. The AR did everything right. Had it gone to the monitor and um, who was the referee? Nima Sagafi. Yeah. Um, if he had determined that, that Parata was on, the goal would have stood because the flag stayed down until the completion of yeah, the
1: season. play. Was, play was done no. and And you don't go to the monitor in that situation. I think that's come up too. Referees will only go to the monitor Mm -hmm. in an offside situation where there is an interpretation issue Mm -hmm. about a deflection or an intentional play by a defender, that kind of stuff. Or if they're an active participant in the play. This is a straight up offside call. And in the days before you had video assistant replays, video assistant referees, you the the referee didn't know. They're they they they're trusting the AR, 100%. That's extended into the modern times now with the video assistant referee helping the AR. They make the call. The referee doesn't go to the monitor to look at that. So that that's another one that they did the right protocol there. There's nothing to interpret. It's just straight up on or off from what we can see. And there wasn't enough to overturn it, in my opinion.
2: Well, and I agree with that, too. I, I agree with everything you've said. So let's let's kind of spin the conversation about this past Saturday into this coming Saturday. Because okay. I've been thinking a lot about this over the last couple of days. Um, I don't know if I'm Gonzalo Pineda. I don't know if I am eagerly making numerous lineup changes based on player availability coming into this Saturday. And in particular... I think there's a chance that Franco Abara may be the incumbent holding midfielder for now, and Santi Sosa might be coming off the bench Saturday. I, I know think. I know, the idea is for Sosa to be first choice, and he's really done nothing wrong to lose it other than be ineligible for the first two games, but I don't know if I want to take Franco Ibarra off right now. Franco Ibarra is among the league leaders in – a lot of very, very important defensive metrics, including tackles one. I don't know if I want him out of the lineup on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh Opportunity sometimes presents itself in, in interesting ways, and Ibarra is taking advantage uh, of the opportunity in front of him. He was injured to start last season, and I think it really hurt him almost all year. He didn't really get a rhythm going. This year, first two games, he's been great. He Maybe, maybe he's been the best player for Atlanta United, and mm-hmm. it's, including Tiago Almada in that conversation. Ibarra has been that good. Uh, Josechu, I think, has been that good. And do you want to keep that pairing together while it is that good? I would not have a problem with that. I, I wouldn't be, you know, questioning that one. I wouldn't be sideways about it. I, I do think the changes that you're going to make to the starting lineup, if they are ready, is Yakamakis and Etienne. Because you want to get that attacking four playing together. And that's, That's a little bit different conversation when you start talking about, I don't know, hierarchy, priorities, what have you. The midfield is functioning really well. Is there a gigantic difference between what Franco Ibarra is playing like right now and what you think Santi Sosa can play like? No, but you know what Franco is playing like. You don't know what Santi will walk in the door and play like. That's a little more manageable. When you talk upside, Yakamakis, obviously bring him here to be your number nine. If he's ready to go, he's going to go. Etienne has more upside, has more experience. Wiley coming off the bench is a really nice opportunity if you have that. I think if they're ready to go, and we just don't know yet, if they're ready to start and get you at least to 60 in terms of the the minutes played, I think those guys get to start. But I'm not against Franco Ibadra staying. And I think Mateus Hosetsu stays in his position. I know... Everybody wants to run him out of the lineup, but I think he stays because he's critical in terms of moving the ball around. He had a couple big switches in the game on Saturday that was huge. He feels the game really well from a possession standpoint. Ibarra as the six instead of Sosa. Right now, if that's the best way to keep things moving and keep some continuity in that part of the field, go for it.
2: I'll give you another spicy one, though, and I totally get what you're saying about Etienne And Etienne, I think, has been really, really good when he has played this year. I'm having a hard time taking Wiley out of the starting lineup right now. I know that the idea – I know why you brought in Etienne. I know what the intent is. I know – I mean, I have to be careful when I say the ceiling might be higher with Etienne because we don't know that. Wiley is a younger player. Right? Wiley is definitely a younger player. Uh, Again, I think Wiley has – Maybe not cemented himself. That might be a strong word, but I'm not rushing yeah. to take him out of the starting lineup, even if it means Derek Etienne's got to come off the bench one or two more matches
1: i if If Etienne's ready to go, I think he's your starter and you you get him in. I, I think the the midfield position is a little more up for grabs and rotational because of the competition in those spots. I mean, Amar Sadic is going to be pushing for time as he gets fitter and fitter and, and plays well, and he's looked good off the bench in his minutes. Johnny Fortune is not just going to sit back and, and watch everybody play. He's going to fight for minutes. Santi Sosa, Gonzalo Pineda said he's been training really well. So that's more of a a fairly open competition. I think Etienne's the starter, and Wiley's done great with his opportunities, and he will have more of them. But I think Etienne's your guy when he's ready to start.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's interesting.
2: There was a narrative not long ago that that the United was not deep enough. And that they were gonna be in real trouble if um if they had one or two players go down or go out. And heck, I may have even been part of that narrative a little bit, but it, it clearly it clearly has not come through so far. I, I think no. you, you know now well, look you've added
1: some pieces too. I mean you added Yakamakis, you yeah. added Miguel Barry. But,
2: but we knew those pieces well, I didn't know Barry was coming, yeah. but we knew that Yakamakis was coming. We knew that that Etienne was here, just needed to get healthy. We knew that Sadich is here, just needed to get healthy. Um, I still worry a little bit about if you suffer an injury to a center back, but but maybe I worry a little bit less about that now because uh, Parata, I think, took a big jump from week good one to week two. I thought yep. that was really, really good to see. I agree. Um, Abram's pedigree speaks for itself. We haven't seen a whole lot, but um, the pedigree speaks for itself, and I'm oddly confident about Noah Cobb as well.
1: That you shouldn't be oddly confident about Noah Cobb. You should not be oddly confident, confident about confident him at
2: all. About Noah Cobb. Then yes,
1: yeah. Noah is Noah's not your typical teenager in, in this group, and a Johnny Fortune's not your typical new homegrown either. I think these are two guys who they need to play. They're going to be just fine mixing in with the group, and that's. That's what you want, and Wiley has shown that as well. You know, Wiley has has a year on these guys, but you want guys coming up from your academy who you can trust and mm-hmm. you can believe in, and you can you can rely on in moments that you need. And that's where the Atlanta United Academy is getting to, and the twos are a big process, big part of that process because they've got to get those minutes there as soon as they're ready, even if they are extremely young. Noah Cobb played a few, played actually quite a few games when he was fifteen. You know, you, you need to get that time if you're ready. If you're if you're at that kind of level, Luke Brennan last year, the amount of games he played, he put himself into position to have a great preseason. You know, that's part of that process. And that Im- improves your depth when you can have it developed internally.
2: And by the way, Christopher Abel, you're right. We left Ozzy Alonso out of our discussion, too. I mean, he'll be back. He's not, in- yeah, he's not
1: quite ready yet, but he he was at yesterday's training session uh, welcomed back with the tunnel of slaps. So that's a good sign that at least, you know, he's not fully, fully, fully in every activity at training, but that's not purely a ceremonial thing either when they no. when they do that. This is part of the team building culture as part of the process, and when you do that, okay, you're starting to count on him a little bit more. Is he going to be ready to go this weekend? You don't have to rush it because of the depth you have, but he's pretty close. So, yeah, you're, you're... Machop Chol came back from injury for training yesterday. Tyler Wolf came back from injury for training yesterday. Everybody who is on the roster trained to some degree yesterday. So, you're in a good spot.
2: Knock on wood. We like that.
1: Yeah, uh, Uh, look, you'll have injuries. It's just going to happen. I don't think you'll have what you had last year because that was a a crazy freak occurrence.
2: If you have what you had last year, you need to start burning siege
1: and poking. They should have already done that. that. I hope they already did. (laughs) If not, Uh, I will.
2: All right, let's get to something Tom brings up on the Twitch pitch, and then I want to turn our attention to Charlotte. Uh, you, You had mentioned a lot of attacks ending in crosses. And what Tom says is that Atlanta and I right now needs goals and needs them in different ways. Every attack cannot get it wide and cross in. He points to San Jose's second goal uh, with, I think, a bobacy on Saturday. Uh, As an example of uh, more of the type of goal that or attack that he wants to see out of Atlanta United.
1: Yeah, don't get hung up on it needs to look like this. It can't look like that. I think that's where you will drive yourself insane because if you watch any team in the world at any level, they're not going to score all of their goals in one way and then not ever score in, in another particular way. It's just, it's not the nature of the game. You need variety. I thought the reason I said crosses about Saturday is I thought that at times late, they kind of settled for getting the ball wide, putting the cross in. And look, that's where the game was taking them to a degree, because Toronto was packing the middle more. That midfield did get pinned in deeper and took away a lot of space around the top of the 18, uh, the mythical zone 14. Um, they, they did a lot to really push Atlanta wide and force them to put crosses in. You did have Yakumaki's in, which gives you a target. You did have Etienne in, which gives you a secondary target. So it wasn't like, it, it's a completely silly thing to do. It just maybe was a little overused at times because it was the easiest thing to get to. You have to have variety. Because that's how you throw teams off. If you're one-dimensional in any way, whether it's you know only creating your chances through the middle, teams will learn how to take that away from you. I don't think this team is one-dimensional. And one game and really one second half, which after you equalize, we're talking about 30 minutes or so, doesn't define a team. And that game might have forced them into more crosses than maybe they wanted, maybe they intended. It's just where the game took them. The best teams take what the game gives them, plays their strengths, but can also adapt to what the opponent is either giving them or taking away from them. And I think Atlanta United has the means to do it. This one, just maybe a few too many crosses for my liking. That's all.
2: All right. Charlotte, a uh, lot of Atlanta supporters going up there on Saturday, from what I've heard.
1: Yeah, over uh, a thousand is what I'm hearing.
2: Weather looks okay, a little chilly, maybe a little cloudy, but okay. Uh, Nothing too bad for the second weekend of March. Charlotte 0-2-0. They've only scored one goal on the year. They actually opened the goal scoring at St. Louis. That's a very difficult. In the NBA, they call it a schedule loss. You could almost (laughs) call that a schedule loss for Charlotte uh, this past Saturday, having to play in the first home match ever by St. Louis City they score first and then they give up a penalty and St. Louis puts it away in the second half. Just talking to a couple, um, people who support Charlotte, their analysis of that match was they felt like they actually had a lot of positive, uh, things in that match and that they were a little bit hard done by Ted uncle. Uh, I want to say Charlotte outshot now possessed St. Louis. Uh, yeah, everybody's
1: going to outpossess St. Louis. True. They are they are a Philly sensey Red Bulls clone.
2: But still, uh Enzo Capetti opened his goal scoring account. And uh, yes, and we know look, Charlotte's got talent with uh Yosviak and um And um, you know, they they've got some guys who can hurt Atlanta United. I don't know if they are necessarily a playoff team this year, but I think again, in a match where Charlotte's going to be playing with a little bit of an edge having dropped their first two matches and wanting to entertain their fans on Saturday. I think it's going to be a tough one.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's a game that actually really suits Atlanta here because Charlotte's not going to sit back and they're not going to just defend. They're, they're going to try to play. That's what Christian Lotanzio is trying to do with Charlotte. He said that as much after the St. Louis game. Um, They tried to play in St. Louis against that press, and they had some success. Um, It was a very disjointed kind of game, which, again, this is what St. Louis is going to do this year. Um, So it's a little hard to take a ton out of it. I think the opener against New England was a little disappointing from a a Charlotte perspective. Copetti is is the real deal up top. This is a guy who has a lot of similarities to Tati Castellanos, maybe a little more raw. Um, I'm, i I want to see if he is as technical as Castellanos was. He's got that fight. He's got that maybe uh, bad guy kind of vibe to him. He'll get under your skin. He'll, he'll try to start some stuff. Uh, you're going to have to deal with that against him. He's going to work extremely hard up top. They've got a good midfielder in Ashley Westwood coming in with a ton of premier league experience. I think he's been Charlotte's best player so far. Uh, it's the defense for me, and it's not purely because you gave up three goals against St. Louis. Those were weird goals. Uh, you have an own goal, you have a penalty, and you have a pass back that is St. Louis's second gift for joining the league. Uh, they got one in Austin as well. It's just a weird set of situations there. But when you look at what Charlotte's doing defensively, Nathan Byrne knew. Uh, Adelson Melanda, he's the one who had that pass back. I think he's a, a very talented young player, but he's young. Uh, Bill Chuiloma, we've seen with Portland over the years. He had the own goal. Um, solid. He, he's a threat on set pieces. He's a problem going forward in those moments. But defensively, solid. And he's got to take on some leadership here. And Joseph Mora has typically been the left back. Brant Bronico played left back in Charlotte, which was uh, really surprising to me. What they're doing with Karol Schwederski is surprising as well because he's playing more as a 10 than a 9. Kopetti's playing as the 9. Joswiak has been maybe a little disappointing during his time in Charlotte. Uh, very talented. he His performances in Charlotte maybe cost him a spot with the Polish national team at the World Cup. Uh, he had been with the team. He didn't get the call-up. Schwederski did. You know, Josviak is is a a talented player. He had the secondary assist on the goal for Kopetti, but it hasn't clicked for him yet. And that's really what it feels like for Charlotte to me, is from a a roster build perspective, from a style of play perspective, everything that they're doing, it hasn't clicked yet. And going all the way back to the beginning, it it just hasn't clicked. It feels like it's a little bit of mismatched parts. And we got to see if that comes together. They're they're going to try to play, they're gonna try to build out of the back, they're gonna try to have possession. They're not built to just drop a bunch of guys behind the ball and sit deep. They didn't do that at home against New England in a scoreless game for most of the way. They they didn't do that in St. Louis. Uh, the game didn't really lend itself to doing that, but they're not going to play that way. So if you're Atlanta United and you're coming into this and you've played two teams that have scored first and that's an issue, but have been very content to drop numbers behind the ball, condense space, make it difficult to break down. I think if you're Atlanta United, you're pretty happy about this matchup coming up on Saturday because you're not going to get that. You're going to get a team that is a little desperate. Maybe a, takes a few more risks going forward and opens a little bit more space. You've got to take advantage of that space. And that's what this game comes down to for me is Atlanta's going to have more space to operate in than they have in the first two games. And they have to take advantage.
2: But I think Atlanta United also needs to prove that they can win on the road. Uh, and again, I don't want to hold last year against them, but that was a major issue that they had last year, was finding ways to win on the road. They had some good road draws. They did have an excellent, excellent road win very late in the year against Orlando City. When you so, got
1: healthy a little bit, yeah. and I, not, not, that I they're, the key.
2: not that they're incapable of doing, but uh, I, I think this will maybe be a good early barometer for Atlanta United, just in the sense that this is a winnable road game. Mm -hmm. Let's see if they can go out and dominate on the road in the same way that, quite frankly, they dominated their first two home matches. I think when the schedule came out for Charlotte, their fans were probably expecting, you know, pretty decent chance they're going to have at least four points. Charlotte going into the Atlanta match. They have zero. When we got the schedule here in Atlanta, I thought, eh, Pretty decent chance Atlanta United could have at least four, maybe six points going into Charlotte. Atlanta's got four. Came very, very close to having six. Came very, very close to having one. So, I mean, it, or, or maybe even zero. It does go both ways. But I think it'll be an interesting barometer, and I'll be very, very curious to see if Yakimakis can give you a start and give you at least 75 minutes if that makes anything look different in the attack for Atlanta United because he's just a different target. I thought Miguel Berry, and we talked about this last week, I thought his work rate was very, very adequate um, against um, Toronto. I thought Jackson Conway did not benefit from getting much service against San Jose. Yakamakis gives you a completely different type of target. If he can give you 75-plus on Saturday – be very, very curious to see if that changes anything dramatically
1: for Atlanta United. Yeah, it should. Uh, I thought it looked different when he came on in the Toronto match. Uh, I thought it felt like there was just a little more impetus to to find the nine and, and get him involved. And, and he also commands that presence too. I, I think it just it will look different when you compare these two teams coming into this. Um, you can go through the results and you can talk about it that way. I think if you look at the quality of play that they've both exhibited in 180 minutes, it, it, there's not a comparison. I think Atlanta has looked a lot better in terms of play quality. The results are what you get into the playoffs on. The results are what win championships. But I think generally over the course of a season, the the level you are playing at is going to tell you the broader picture. And I like where it's Atlanta's at. Charlotte has some things to figure out, and we'll see if that lineup looks a little different. We'll see if Mora is back at left back, Bronico's is back in the midfield, maybe two wingers in, instead of, you know, kind of a, a weird mismatch with Swiderski drifting wide or sometimes 10. It just, it doesn't, again, it's mismatched parts to me, and I want to see if they have something that looks a little more coherent, and that will help them play better. And I think that's one of the biggest issues is really finding the right, combination of pieces for latanzio and we'll see if he gets it in game three
2: all right well we'll be on the air 11 30 in the morning
1: on saturday up in
2: charlotte uh kickoff i think 12 25 because it's a fox game that's what i've heard yes uh, we will have an abbreviated full-time report after the match as well now again i want you all to know because this is already starting to come up you're going to have, if you want to sync us up, and we're very honored that you choose to do that, you're going to have to do it the old school way with the Odyssey yeah. app. I think it's going to be a lot easier with Apple as yeah. opposed to trying to do it the old way when, uh, you know, maybe you didn't have the benefit of the fast forward and pause with Apple. I it think will
1: 100% easier. be easier.
2: But just do me a favor, please don't tweet at me or Jason during the game that you can't find the English radio option, <laughs> we will not be able to help you. Yeah. We appreciate your interest, but we will not be able to help you. But the Odyssey app will work just fine. You can do it that way. Or you can listen to Twelman, and that's fine, too. Uh, and you can listen to John and Stu. That's fine, too. I assume they're doing the game on Fox.
1: John so, and Stu on Fox, Jake Zivin and Taylor Twellman on Apple. And if you want to listen to the the radio on Apple and you don't want to sync it up, you can listen to with, Will and Jess. Will and Jess. Get We're going to have in with
2: them on Friday. We're going to download them all about Atlanta United. I'm sure you're going to get a really good call on that too. So <laughs> 1130 on Saturday. We'll see you then. And then we'll be back here on Twitch and the 92.9 The Game Facebook page next Wednesday, 2 p.m. for another edition of Stoppage Time as we look ahead to the aging Portland Timbers coming into Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We'll see you on Saturday. If you're going up to Charlotte with us, have a safe trip, and we'll see you up there.